Hi, this is Shauna, the CEO and founder of Fuel Talent. In January 2019, we launched the What Fuels You podcast, and since that time, I have had the honor of featuring and highlighting leaders and their incredible stories. Though I'm eager to continue sharing these stories with you, I want to make space for different and relevant content for this unique and challenging time. While we all navigate the COVID-19 pandemic together, on this podcast and the upcoming ones, I'll be having more focused conversations with leaders to help answer questions, get key insights, and share stories of inspiration around how they and their teams are adapting during this new reality. I hope you enjoy these episodes of the What Fuels You podcast. Today's guest on the What Fuels You podcast is Joe Heitzberg. Joe is the CEO and co-founder of CrowdCow. CrowdCow's mission is to help people better meet and to bring people together, farmers and consumers, families and friends. Prior to CrowdCow, he was the co-founder and president of Madrona Venture Labs, the in-house startup incubator of Madrona Venture Group, which produced venture-backed high-tech startups, including Mighty AI and Reply Yes. Before that, he was the co-founder and CEO of Media Piston, which was acquired by Upwork in 2012 and IPO'd in 2018, and Snapvine, acquired by White Pages in 2008. Joe graduated from the University of Washington, go dogs, with a degree in computer science, and he has an MBA from MIT. He's also a husband and a father and a super cool dude, and I'm really psyched to have you on the podcast. Welcome, Joe. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You're welcome. Okay, so I'm starting with rapid fire today. <sighs> um, the most obvious question, which you probably get asked at every single party, which is, what is your favorite cut of meat? Ribeye. <laughs> and do you like it raw or uh not more not raw but what how's my dad eat it. my dad eats it um like rare. black and blue my dad eats uh, it rare and it's like uh, my mom's like oh, it's still mooing so rare or um well done i am a medium rare guy so Me too. pretty traditional i like to sear the uh, make sure you get the crust on it though you know see yes. it super hot a little blackened warm up the uh, i don't like cold meat i like it yeah. at least warm in the very middle yeah um, who is your favorite band? My favorite band. Um, what have I been listening to, guys? Should be faster on this. You know what I've been getting back into right now is the Doves. They're like a British band that like disappeared, but they came out mm. with a single. Well, Recently, I know you're. I, I know you're a guitarist. So I was going to say, who's yeah. your favorite guitar hero? Uh, you know, I actually saw Eddie Van Halen in concert when I was little. Nice. I don't know if he's my favorite hero, but he's pretty yeah. pretty good. Um, go okay. A business question: What is a leadership trait that you most admire in others? Um, I most admire empathy. And people who are able to show empathy and connect, and yet still achieve really high performance. That's the that's the magic skill. That's the yeah the uh, that's yeah the that perfect. And in, in this moment, specifically with COVID nineteen, yeah. it's probably more relevant than yeah. ever. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, okay, so if there was a book written about you and about your life, what would it be called? <laughs> <laughs> that's a tough Skiing one. Skiing off the trail. Skiing off the trail. I like that. Um, okay, so perfect segue. What is your dream? I guess it would be snowboarding uh, destination vacation. Uh, hella skiing or, or cat skiing. I've never done either one of those. That's my dream. That's like your just dream on a perfect powder day, just to be plumped right on the top and just, just to be in my own little by myself world with just nature and the swish of the perfect powder. That's my yeah. dream. Yeah. That's what Love we're that. always looking for when we ski, right? 
Everyone says that. Yeah, I, I just skied right before this whole pandemic mm. hit. I was in Montana and have never skied like snow like this. It was insane. I felt like I was floating. It was it was awesome. Um, when I was thinking about friends and, and clients of mine that I thought were probably having a moment right now, either extreme mm. difficult or extreme kind of um, crazy busy flooded mm -hmm. with business, I thought of CrowdCow. Okay. Um, but before we get into like how this, Sure. moment has impacted your business. I'm just curious about the origination story of Crowdcow. Sure. Well, um, you know, it started my, my co-founder, Ethan, and I, we had a, a mutual friend named Brendan, and he had this awesome setup for, for beef where he knew the farmer, he supported them. He would drive his car out there once yeah. a year and he'd buy like a whole cow. And he would, he would, you know, he would brag about like it tastes better. You could taste his cow. And he knew he had this story telling around this farmer's family and multi-generational and so envious of that you know and 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 it was talking about that and realizing like like i love steak but i don't have that and i can't experience buy it. yeah and in the hundred billion dollar beef market in this country you know with all of the environmental concerns behind like you don't see at the meat counter all the bad things going on beyond the meat counter and you're scared and there's label confusion you do see a little orange sticker that says special but not particularly special is it um, and we just realized in that framing between what our friend Brendan had and what the establishment offers, that gulf is opportunity, entrepreneurial opportunity. So Portlandia meets mobile phones and the farms are in, and we would have a vision for a much better way. So helping people eat better meat and creating this connection between people yeah. is the mission. It was from the very beginning. And I would say, you know, and people laughed at us then. And I remember... I didn't really? laugh oh, when I heard about it. I thought it was a killer idea. Uh, I was just I curious about the execution of it. I but people remember I had like uh, you know I I quit uh, Madrona Venture Labs when we wrapped up the first fund, you know, and it was like time to do something else or or renew, and it was like I'm gonna do something else. You know, people were like, "What are you gonna do?" And <laughs> I would describe this idea we were working on, and they they would literally say, "Ha ha, that's really funny. You should you should totally do that." But what are you what are you gonna do? I'm asking, what are you gonna do? What are you really like, gonna what do? You, like, yeah. what are you going to do with your life? I was asking a different question, not what are you doing right now for fun? Yeah. I'm on asking the side. like, what are you going to do with your energy and talent and, you know, longer yeah. term? I'm like, no, that, we're going to sell a cow yeah. crowdfunding. And we're going I to think it's it. when I first heard about it, I, it was one of those, like, why didn't I think of that moments for me? Because mm -hmm. we were getting, we did have the story of the farmer and friends and, yeah. and my husband, as you know, I've told you is like Mr. Beef. And so he takes it very seriously. Um, well, luckily, and it's also perfect timing. I mean, everybody yeah. wants to know the farm to yeah. table, where they're it, getting it their food. Very on trend. It was on trend back then. We knew the tech industry maybe looked at it like, what are you doing? But we knew from our testing and conversations with people at Starbucks, random strangers, there was excitement and we yeah. sold our first cow very quickly. And we, we just started pedaling and it suddenly just got away from us. The momentum had a life of its own. And yeah. pretty soon we were like, I remember a year later after starting it, like, well, what are you working on? You still working on that thing? Yeah. That, that, How's it going? And I would give them some I give them some revenue figures. That was only a year in where we were kind of approaching a million dollar run rate or something, you know. And, and it was like, yeah. wow. Yeah, it's legit. And it's but now, you know, this morning, so it's really gratifying to go like no one's heard of you, they laugh at you. So like this morning, USA or wait, the Today Show, okay, they're doing a special on the big meat industry is really harsh and there's going to be uh, limits to how you can get beef and Costco's rationing now and it's really scary and here's why and da, da, da. And then the anchor goes, 
but there are some places online you can get it. Such did as the anchor cow. say crowd cow? Oh my gosh! Yes. Yay! Such Wait, did did, did you know that that was going to happen, no. or did no, somebody just randomly see it? We don't have a PR person or an PR agency. It just happened. I think. Oh my gosh! We need to get this. We need to get the pod out quickly uh, now. <laughs> and it was like it was really gratifying to be like, wow, we're we're you know we are definitely out there and we're we're working hard every day and. Oh, it's gratifying. huge! I would be making you do a dance if I, if I were there. I'd be like, "That is that's big news. This is a moment for you." I mean, that's a Definitely. that's a huge deal. Um, I have so many questions about that origination Please. because I'm just picturing. Okay. okay, so we've got this idea. We want to sell a cow and rat, and you know, how do you execute on that? Like, what's your? You have yeah. a more of a tech background, so tell yeah. me about your co-founder's background, and then Same. who yeah. do you hire first? As you're like, yeah. how do we make this happen? Well, we we didn't it wasn't like, who do we hire first? It was actually like, what do we do to prove the demand and prove the model and learn? Because you have to start with demand side first. Do you have anything that people care about enough to part with their money? You know, And, mm -hmm. and then what I learned at, um, at Madrona with the small team, when we, we had to do this very rapidly with lots of different ideas across, well, we looked at everything from like AI enhanced security cameras to like divorce in a box online services like it's crazy like so many <laughs> which may be relevant right now everybody's I mean, like hiding from their and, spouse and part of the fun of that was the candy store of ideas but part of what was missing was like i got to do something with a mission and go all in you know? yeah so but one of the things we learned in that was like you've got to start with the demand side and you've got to get really good at quickly getting 80 20 rule conviction around it you know and a lot of people will say what's your mvp yeah. Let's prototype, but that's not yeah. the first step. The first step is like, talk to people. We were like, I remember as clear as day when we first talked about the idea as like, well, that's an entrepreneurial opportunity. And it was even before doing the market research that it's, you know, just beef is a hundred billion, add another, you know, 30 billion for pork and <laughs> add another 16 billion for seafood. Before you did all that math and realized, wow, this is big. We were like, well, do people care? And I remember, you know, it was like, well, Hey, the easiest way to find out is you call 10 people right now and I'll do the same thing. So we like literally, we separate ourselves in the cafe. Just called friends? Called friends? We just called, yeah, called people. Call neighbors, friends, acquaintances. Interesting. People that, that will give you honest feedback, you know, and just pitch them the elevator pitch and see what they say, see what their questions and reactions are and just get a baseline. Because usually what you'll get is a spectrum from like, don't understand it to lots and lots of questions to like, I want to support you because you're my friend to like, you know. Did you ever get like, do I get to specifically say which firm? Almost like I want to support a school, but I get to say which school? Yeah. I mean, at that time, the idea was that we were testing was, was like, imagine Portlandia, that episode where they know the chicken's name. And, yeah, I loved that episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So imagine a video, a website with like a single cow for sale on a yeah. website with the farm story right there in a video all the shares, like all the different kinds of cuts of meat are all available in different packages. And you are claiming a share with 50 other people, random strangers on the internet. And when all the shares are claimed, the cow tips and you become a stakeholder. And the, and the idea would be at that point, we handle the rest. It shows up at your door in a box, super convenient. And they, everyone was just like, that's amazing. I would do that right now. Were you scared about the idea of, um, I guess, I don't know what the right word is, but the risk or the legalities around like, what if somebody got sick from the beef? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I, I remember, well, <laughs> I remember about six months in, 
where things kind of got out and it was in the press and we had more demand than we could service by far because it was like the two of us and a few contractors you know mm -hmm. scrap scrapping by and um and i remember thinking like because it started with our friends i mean and they're friends of friends and it was sort of right. all traceable back to the customer who knew us in personal and then it was like suddenly it was like total random strangers and it was like yeah, the seriousness of food safety, taking that seriously is, 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 is real. I don't want my house taken away. I don't want, you know, to yeah. hurt someone. And yeah. so we were, yeah, it is a very different business, not pure software. Um, so we, we had to do all that stuff in the very buttoned up way from the beginning for yeah. those reasons and, and right. to scale that. Um, but, but also very tangible in the sense, like we both have young kids, Ethan does. And my son was five at the time. Yeah. You can like but, explain what you do. This is what oh, daddy does. I, it's like, Daddy, what do you do? Well, I do blockchain futures for yeah. SaaS optimization of cloud. Blah, blah, blah. No, I <laughs> that's mean, half my clients. Like, I'm like, I don't really know uh, something about SaaS. <laughs> I got, no, it's great. I took him to a. Uh, I remember one day he had a. I screwed up the uh, timing and he had like a day off school. It was like a random like teacher workshop day or something, and I didn't realize that. And I was heading to my first slaughter that day. Come on, so I was son. like, Yeah, I was like, Come on to the. You're going to a slaughter. You're five oh, years old. You're coming to a slaughter. And I, I'm calling the farmer from my cell phone. I'm like, hey, I'm bringing my son. You know, cause I is that going to scar him for life? Are we okay? And he was like, he was like, no, Joe, it's going to be great. This is so the way we do it. You'll, you'll see. It's wonderful. It's a beautiful, honorable thing. And, and kids, especially that age, they get it. And they help, help explain and talk yeah. to him about where his meat comes from and work all the way back to the farm and narrow in and have him yeah. realize yeah, and it was like it was beautiful it really was. that is beautiful and how did you first start to get the word out was it just word of mouth or did you do um what was your marketing plan as far as making consumers aware of crowd cow in the beginning we had a you know a lot of it was word of mouth at the very beginning and we had some press we were we were you know feature article in the guardian <laughs> um and and we were in the new york times early early on yeah um and because it's such a crazy ridiculous thing we were doing at the time, um, so we we had wait lists and email to convert the wait list to customer for a very long time, and then yeah. we eventually were doing a referral program, some paid social ads, SEO, everything. Now it's very you know kind of more traditional online marketing. Right, plan. and so I read um, the trickle transparency, which I love mm -hmm. because I think that, and I also was fascinated to just kind of read up, just getting ready for this podcast. Um, I had no idea that 80% or 80, what did you say? 86% of beef sold in the U S is controlled by mm -hmm. just four companies. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm sure during this time with all the supply chain issues and what you said was mm -hmm. featured on the today show that those companies are being severely impacted and how does that create kind of a window of opportunity for yeah. crowd cow and, and yeah, it is. Um, so transparency to your first part of your question just yeah. means I I think transparency means um, being open and honest, um, and it means um, respecting the other side, your customer or your audience. Mm -hmm. Like I'm going to be transparent with you, Shauna, about something that happened because I'm I'm going to be open and honest because I respect you. I care to share with you everything. Mm -hmm. And in what way is the beef industry not been transparent? Because I don't know a lot about it. I, I know that there's like labels and what do those labels mean? And what does grass fed or US, yeah. US product mean? I have to be, I'm, I'm very, I'm so open-minded. I, I believe that people act in their best um, Intention. um, intentions always, yeah. you know? And so 
you do see things happen in the context of retail that look like it's a bad intention, but I don't believe that's necessarily true, even though, you know, so for example, there's just not a lot of room in a retail environment to do good storytelling or marketing or transparency. There's just not. So what do they, they have this much time and that much space. Mm -hmm. And that's where you end up getting little labels or like the orange sort of, label you were talking about. Yeah. Cage free chicken. And you get just these words that you don't know what they mean. Um, right, I have then, no idea what they mean. No one does. I mean, yeah. and so then the bloggers come in and they go say, I'm going to find out. And they take a webcam down there and they write a story. And then you read that and you're like, that's not what I thought it meant. Yeah. You feel deceived a lot of times. So, and you know, one of the things that drew us to this idea of like radical transparency and empowering better choices was like, Hey, I don't want to be, I don't want to tell a farmer what to do. And I don't want to tell a consumer what to eat. My role bring them to closer together, make things much more transparent and, and have better choices. Yeah. But there's the foundation of like <laughs> avoiding practices that are bad for the environment or bad yeah. for local communities or bad for, you know, there's a, there's a hard line on some certain things, but beyond that, let's let this incredible variety, like the way you raise cattle in Montana, I'll tell you is very different than how you raise it in North Texas. Oh, really? Absolutely. Think about just the weather. Yeah, I guess that I guess that is a thing. These are all things that like I ha I'm not I'm not thinking about. So when we think about like you know people talk about the grass fed this and grain finished that and you know do you use a you know open pasture and I mean open pasture if the pasture is a desert is very different than if a pasture is actually a pasture and so you people are adapting mm -hmm. to their local environments and I I think that um, I think that being transparent is is the the core uh, of the, oh, the brand yeah. if you will. It's, I'm sure that's created incredible loyalty and repeat customers. Um, so what is the business model exactly? And how many, um, how many farms are you sourcing from? Or where are you yeah. getting all the, all the animal we, products? We have um, producers across 22 states, roughly. Okay. Um, so they're coming from all over the United States, mostly. And then we have some Japanese wagyu from Japan. Occasionally, some um, beef and lamb from um, New Zealand and Australia a little bit in the mix, but 99% of it is US based, except for the Japanese Wagyu, put it that mm -hmm. way. Um, and, and that's because we're a supply chain. We're not buying, you know, beef. We're, we're actually working with these producers and the processors. And that's why we're not the big four concentrated. We've built our own supply chain. That's why right now, as you're seeing meat shortages and websites with delayed shipping times and wait lists. We're still open for business. Yeah. And how incredible do you feel that you're keeping these small businesses in business? Yeah. Yeah. It's a big, that's a big motivator for me personally and the, and the team who stepped up massively, which is a lot of, you know, think about just the pro like farms raise animals, processors cut it into steaks and cuts. These processors that we work with, there are, mom and pop or multi-generational companies, small businesses, and they're very regionally focused. So when you go to a nice restaurant, you may see the name of a farm on the menu, probably mm -hmm. came from one of these little guys. Well, all of that business just dropped to zero, uh, the restaurant. Yeah. And so, but we are also working with them and farms to do the online thing. So when this all happened, like we just called all of them and said like, what are you seeing? Here's what we're seeing. And how, we yeah, can, how help can we you. help? And let's get that diverted. And, and, you know, we're very, it's like the great leap forward in our business because we can help them get more of that to our customers online and, and keep everything running in, in a big, the big old family. This, this is the plan. 
And so I know that obviously the name Crowd Cow originated in selling beef, and now you've mm -hmm. got poultry and pork and yeah. seafood. Fish, seafood. We've got shrimp coming this week and shrimp. scallops and crab. Um, how has that, how, what have you learned about those industries and how do they all differ and, and uh, how are those being impacted right now? Those industries. Um, everything is, you know, like it's kind of the spectrum of how much your business as a small producer or a processor depended on restaurant trade. Mm -hmm. And it's simple as that. So if you were a small farm in a near an urban center doing all farmer's market, well, I think that's been impacted too. But if you've been doing your own sales direct and into like niche uh, grocery store and a customer list of your own and online through CrowdCow, You've mm -hmm. done, you're doing well, you're okay, you're protected. But if you were shifted to some of that to depend on restaurants, that part was like, oh no. What I found mostly is that the restaurant demand has been made up for with the retail demand. So yeah. even with groceries. So oh, I'm sure. Even people who are pretty balanced are okay. As you get into the premium products, like, I mean, when was the last time you had king crab at home? I mean, it's a restaurant thing, right? So there's certain product categories that are more dependent on restaurant and those are more difficult, you know, in terms of they, they have a, a harder shift. Well, we've got Mother's Day coming up, so maybe I'll, you know, yeah. make a request for some sort of. And we're hoping there, there's actually a guy on Mercer Island. He lives on Mercer Island and he's a second generation founder of the seafood company that's very much uh, specializes in beautiful, sustainably caught um, red king crab from Alaska. And he has all the, the fishermen and he does the processing and splitting them. And we're going to help him sell that product. And he's like a neighbor. I would be hanging out with him as we're doing business, but we're like on Zoom, even though we're like literally. Yeah, you got to you got to stay on Zoom. Um, so the business, so the business model is you guys are the conduit between bringing people together, bringing people yeah. closer to farms or closer to. Yeah. Okay. We're, and we're so the retailer. We're the retailer and the way we operate is like a e-commerce consignment model. So we're actually, okay. we also the shipper. So, you know, it's, yeah. it's, got to, it's got to get to you quickly with a text message notification with the right amount of dry ice based on the temperature and the weather on the right day, wow. integrated customer experience. It's, it's so complicated, done, but not complicated. Business. It is very complicated. Uh, yeah. We make it simple for the A lot customer, of details. We own that fulfillment capability, which is something I'm very proud of. That took, you know, it's taken years to build. And another reason we are in business today in spite of everything that's going on, because we own and control that piece of that we don't use 3PL, we were able to immediately, when this hit, invest in scaling up those facilities with more hiring people. We're hiring people. We're hiring great people. Yeah, that that's another subject that I want to talk about. But so, um, so the business model is you get paid by the consumer. You take a piece of it yeah. from both sides. The consumer's paying, and we're negotiating with producers and supply chain to cover those costs of production mm -hmm. and, and packaging and so forth. And we're, mm -hmm. the inventory is on a consignment model or like a marketplace is the easiest way to think about that. Okay, got it. And so, so, yeah. so to date, you've raised about 20, a little over 25 million, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, how has that process been? And it sounds like you came in right before this whole thing hit and raised around. Um, yeah. Lucky. We what were in life very lucky. What would you Timing. say to those out there thinking about raising right now, like in this moment? Yeah. I mean, you've been on many sides of the entrepreneurial experience. Yeah. I mean, what I would tell people about fundraising is first of all, that the pitch is slightly different. The needs and the business that you have to demonstrate are different based on the stage. That's a fundamental. So go and understand that. I won't explain it right now, but 
depending on the stage, the, the fundamental pitch is different. But mm-hmm. the biggest kind of mistake I see at all those stages when I see other entrepreneurs and they're like, here's our pitch. What do you think? You know, usually like seed stage, it'd be like, we have this idea and with just the money, we can go do that idea. You know, we can go build the thing. And it's like, usually that's not a good pitch. Like the, the pitch of we need money to go build X is not a good pitch. Meaning what people really, it's like, Hey, I want money to go build a hotel. Mm-hmm. All right. Why are you building a hotel? Where is the hotel? How much money is this hotel going to generate? Why is that hotel a good business? What's, how's it going to be competitive? You need to have the ROI in your pitch. So like how, here's how I have proven this thing and how capital is just going to be like fuel to make it go faster fuel. Right. Yeah. Thank you. uh, (laughs) So right now I think what's difficult in the market is this tsunami of change that is happening in society. Uh, It's very easy for investors to, they're all going to say like, we're still doing deals, but really they're just saying that because they don't want to lose deal flow. They don't want to lose out. Yeah. Yeah. So really what they're going to do, it's really easy to say, we're going to wait and see what happens here because there's so much uncertainty and uncertainty is opportunity, but it's easier to say no and not lose than to be wrong about something. So they're just going to be a little more conservative, but, and the other challenge is going to be if your business needs to change fundamentally, that's not a good pitch. Like, hi. We need money because we need to change. And without the money, we can't change. And if we don't change, we're not going to succeed. Where's the ROI in that? I mean, there is an ROI in there, but it's not, they need straight line ROI pitch. We're going to do this. It's proven. This is fuel. makes it go faster. And so um, that's going to be the big hill to climb for most people. And that's why you're seeing, I think, a lot of uh, savvy entrepreneurs like immediately cut back to buy runway Mm-hmm. So they can have the time to go figure out what that pitch is and yeah. if they need more capital or to become profitable. Um, yeah. How did you originally fund the business? Did you get venture funding or did you, did you bootstrap it? Or I can't remember. We did bootstrap for the first year or so. Yeah. And that was a function of, of, again, we wanted to have that pitch that was like, this is proven. Yeah. Um, you know, here's the economics. Here's how big the market is. Mm-hmm. We didn't know like how many farms there were or if they would right. be willing to work with us. And do your, do your board members and your investors you know, are any of them like vegan? <laughs> Do they all totally get this business? And are they uh, passionate about it like you? Or are they just more on the business side? Like, hey, let's sh- show me the money. Like, show are. me the ROI. I remember, you know, Scott Jacobson was our lead investor from the, the last, um, the round, the A round. I almost sorry. called him before this to be like, give oh, me some secret cool. questions to yes. ask Joe. But I didn't want to. He's great. <laughs> I love Scott. Scott. Scott is so great. He, yeah. I remember he's, you know, because Scott's, as every he's a great investor in the yeah. sense of very capable of diving very deep into the models the numbers the mechanics and also simultaneously the strategy and the flywheels mm-hmm. but i remember and, and one thing we were really impressed with him is how quickly he got dove in understood the questions and how he was able to help have you thought about this and what about this opportunity and, and we thought that'd be valuable but one of the things that really i loved about those fast and furious days right before the, the funding and the A round was he actually said kind of as a side note, he goes, and you know what you're doing is like important. Like actually, like it feels good to, this is the right totally. thing. Like Absolutely. it's good. To, it's good to like, you could tell he had in his, in his criteria, it was like, this is a business that's worthy to exist. It's a Absolutely. good force in the world. And I, I want, you know, I always tell people like, have your, 
everyone around the table should have high founder empathy, right? You, you don't have founder empathy. It can be really hard, but you also want that, the mission. The yeah, just have different values. Be, it would be really challenging in those yeah, board meetings. It would be really hard. Yeah, super challenging. Well, that's great. Um, so with that kind of that feel good thing, tell me a little bit mm. more about your partnership with Arbor Day Foundation. Yeah. Um, and so, why this, this carbon impact yeah. um, is different. I mean, yeah. you know, it comes you, in styrofoam when we get it at the grocery store. And how are you packaging? Yeah. So it's always been extremely important to Ethan and I to have a company that is environmentally better than the alternative. One of the ways in which we would like to reinvent the meat world as a category, not just the connection to the producers, the transparency is the environmental impact. And so mm -hmm. really um, exciting, you know, it's a scale game. <laughs> Getting the economics to work, at a, it's unlocking at different scale and maturity to understand the business, to understand what you can afford to do. Mm -hmm. um, we, uh, about a year and a half ago, cut over to 100% fully compostable insulation. So whereas much of the perishable food you order online comes to you with styrofoam, which doesn't break down and can't like be ever. recycled. Like ever, ever, right? Doesn't it's styrofoam really, just, yeah, it's really bad. It's really bad. It's, however, very good as a thermal insulator and it's For cheap. sure. And so the environmentally sustainable and responsible alternatives to that, you know, is a matter of scale and being able to work closely with those providers and make it work for both parties. And we were able to achieve that last year. So it's like it rinses away in your sink and it goes back to the earth. And how, how did you even find out about it? Or that's a whole other category of, of learning. Yeah. Like now I got to learn about this whole. Well, people do come to you and they, I think people see what our brand stands for and, and they go, this, I think your customers would like this. And they come to yeah. us in some cases. A lot of these well, companies. Well, I'm sure it's the same customer, the customer that yeah. cares deeply about what they're putting in their body, cares yeah. deeply about the earth. Yeah. And these and guys who start these kind of companies are the same similar minded people. Like if I'm going to do something with my time on earth, I want it to have a good you know, side effect as well as being a good business yeah. um, to the environment. So that's why they started these companies. Um, Arbor Day, to ask to your question, we just um, this year uh, announced that uh, we figured out a way to make every shipment, everything you buy on CrowdCow, end to end from farm, all including methane, and things on the farm, all the way to your door is 100% uh, certified carbon neutral. So that's accounting amazing. For all greenhouse grasses in every single purchase period. We're working with Arbor Day Foundation. They're a large nonprofit, um, the largest nonprofit conservation uh, dedicated to planting trees. And we're working with them to fund two specific projects. One is uh, restoring depleted farmland in the Mississippi River Valley. And the other one is um, a project that works against the threatened uh, forest lands at the Amazon headwaters in Peru. So we feel really good about that. I think a lot of, um, a lot of our customers want that and and they want to know that they're they can have their cake and eat it too like absolutely they're, they're doing good. Yeah. wow if there's all I, i'm seeing a theme there's like transparency empathy it's it's a lot of do these translate into your kind of company values and how do you um how do you kind of recruit against those values how do you measure the, yeah those i think that you're hiring and their values great companies hire and fire by their culture and so it, it's it's um you know, I look for candidates that are like, I, I went to your 
values and I, I looked at those and here's how they compared to my last company. Here's what I liked about them. And I love candidates like that because it means they care about culture. Yeah. And that makes my job so much easier. Absolutely. Um, and in a startup where it can be very demanding and there can be changes and chaos, you need to, the values is what keeps people, you know, mm-hmm. collaborating. We have, you know, win as a team, as a core value, be transparent is a core value. Um, and so ownership mentality and being intentional, these kinds of things, which yeah. are, are definitely geared towards like, we're here to, to win and to do big things. Our aspirations are, even though we were once laughed at, they are rooted in, they've never changed, which is we want to have a lasting and huge impact. It started with like, you know, a company that my five-year-old could relate to and all the way up to like, we can actually change the food system and have impact like with yeah. our time on earth. And yeah. so we got to have people who are, in it like that. And that includes the producers too. Yeah. They've got to be willing to co-invest in that vision together yeah, with us. Absolutely. And so how have you um, found this time to be either challenging or rewarding as a leader? How have you kept your team inspired? Obviously you have a gift that you are busy. <laughs> Some companies yeah. are like, ah, what do we do right now? Um, yeah. And you said that they've really stepped up. Yeah, definitely. How has it been and, for you in this moment of leadership? I mean, for, so for me personally, you've got the personal life disruption and then the work life disruption. Uh, for me personally, very lucky, um, both of those. You now you've got the cool I, office, we've got the background. I've got an office. I mean, yeah. I know not everyone has that. So there's where yeah. empathy plays in. But And a door, which is extra good. <laughs> a bathroom. Oh, and a bathroom. Yeah. Kids, kids, you know, from babies to like kids are out of the empty nester. There's your personal life disruption matrix right there mm-hmm. kind of you know uh, on the on that dimension I'm, I'm in a great spot I mean, my kid is very independent you know no issues on the business I'm so grateful that like we have a job to do that's really more important than ever on every side of it from our producers to the customers mm-hmm. and that's inspired us all to step up massively and do our best work the best work of our careers can happen right now like this is our moment so first it was when this hit, it was like safety and security of our teams, the frontline workers packing orders, as well as HQ. How can we get people at home and productive? Um, and then it was like, what does this mean for us? Mm-hmm. And realizing that it meant this uptick in demand that then as it became clear would be sustained. It was like, wow, do we have the right strategy? Yes. <laughs> Lucky. We don't have to change our strategy. We just have to execute really well. This is mm-hmm. our game day moment. Mm-hmm. So it was really, you know, asking everyone to step up, including myself, and get deeply involved um, to make sure we have the right goals, uh, you know, and, and, and that's scale, margin, retention. Like if we can keep up with this demand, but at the same time improve margin and improve yeah. retention. How much has yes. the how much has the demand increased since COVID nineteen hit? Four hundred percent. What? Oh my gosh. High-fiving. We're dancing. We're high-fiving. We're actually high-tenning. That's amazing, Joe. So far. Dude, that's great. The third thing thing is health. I think um, we got to take care of our health, eat well, exercise every day. I try to. I try to check in with friends, like not just work, but like just you call. I've been like, it's funny. It's a moment where everyone's much more able to get on video randomly, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You know, people are at home. You can reach them. So I've been calling 
random friends uh, just that I haven't talked to since pre-COVID just check in. And, yeah. Absolutely. And it's, it is a time for connection. And that is a, that is a beautiful thing that's yes. coming out of this that I'm hearing yes. a lot of people talk about, like reconnecting with college yeah. friends or high school friends or having yeah. a moment to do something creative or pick up a new hobby. Yeah. Um, I'm never going to forget that uh, to express gratitude that we have a positive moment to really step up and do great. And I know that years from now, you know, we're all at CrowdCal going to have the very best story for what, what it was like for you during COVID. Let me tell Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Know? And I'm very cognizant of the fact that that we're kind of like the best case scenario. And there's many other people that are undergoing such economic hardship. Um, yes. And uh, yeah. very, I feel very lucky and very grateful, but, but because of that, doubly must step up and do our best work. Yeah. Um, and you're, and you're keeping all of these. I, I really love the idea of keeping all of these families um, fed in a, in a, in a better and more sustainable way, but also all of the farmers and all their families and those, mm -hmm. their generation companies, the packaging companies, I mean, yeah. all of it. So there's a lot of good. It's not like you're just, woohoo, we're making all this money. Look at us. It's, yeah. it's all good stuff. Totally. Um, so you must feel great about that. And so you mentioned earlier that you're in a position to recruit. How do you plan on identifying and drawing in talent while you're working remotely and also sensing, are they a fit? Are they not a fit? Are you good at that over video? I, I, I haven't, I haven't um, felt impacted by that at all. Uh, I think it's easier than a phone call. I used to do, you know, when it was remote phone screens, audio, I think video is much better actually. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, what about if you're hiring engineers, are you planning on doing um, whiteboarding exercises or how are you going to screen out engineering talent? Yeah. I mean, we do, we, we do some, uh, here's a little try this project thing or, mm -hmm. you know, I'll give you a little thing to do and why don't you take a crack and then we'll talk about it. Walk me through your code kinds of things. I think those things are important for engineering. Yeah. And we do the same thing for writing, you know, let's give writing samples and see them and talk about them. And, mm -hmm. and then you take what they've written and say, okay, now give me a variant of that. That's, uh, that's funny or that's, you know, and see Just if they can think on their feet and, and show yeah. versatility. Yeah. So Are you guys doing really anything as a team to stay connected over like happy hour or, yeah. um, Pictionary or yeah. crazy hat yeah. day or whatever. I'm hearing all sorts yeah. of stories. Um, we were iterating for a long time around different things. Uh, and, and of course, Happy Hours actually emerges as one of the best one. It's easy, it's fun. And we would do a theme, you know, where someone will take the theme and they're weekly and do like, you know, trivia and all the, I mean, it's kind of cliche. Some of the yeah. time. They're fun. They're we fun. Did a, yeah. <laughs> we did a trivia contest around like cattle and uh, pig breeds. <laughs> it's a very. I would have uh, lost. I mean, I yeah, would not have like, been a good teammate for that trivia. It's a matter of pride and embarrassment at Crowd Cow. I'm sure. Yeah, you gotta you gotta know your beef and your pig and your right. all right. of it, your yeah. chickens, all of it. And okay. so, um, when you're having like downtime, because it sounds like you're working your tail off right now, but you're having downtime, um, are you finding new ways of relaxing, or have you found any tools for um, efficiencies at work, or just any nuggets we can take of kind of what's Joe doing that's new during this time, and what are you going to take with you, hopefully? Um. You know, I do the, we do family movie night with popcorn. Um, me personally, I, um, you know, I said, I try to exercise. I sometimes do just kind of like, cause I'm in, at work intense. Then with my family intense and I just need me time. So I kind of like, okay, I'm going to go work. And then I go to my office and I just watch a 
I've been oh, watching dude. Fauda. Don't it's get like me a, started. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Binge watching that lately. Reading books. I'm reading Dan Price's. So good. I haven't read Dan Price's book yet, but I, he told me he's going to be on the pod. We've been planning it for it. a long time, and I, I definitely you know, want to get him on the book. I love Dan. I met Dan, fortunately, before all this, before he became world famous. Yeah. You know, and before he's like reading. with his abs. <laughs> oh, God. You Dan follow is, him on Instagram. It's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, he's such a. He's a great interesting, guy. Interesting, unique person. And, and yeah, he's such a sweet Telling the story, the book is so well written. Anyways, highly recommend that book. I'm about three quarters of the way through. Okay, I'm going to read it. So reading, playing guitar. Yeah. Um, you, where's your guitar? You give us a little tour. Show us, is, there's a bed, right? There's a, <laughs> is that embarrassing? I have the, the little couch day bed right here. I love that. Isn't that great? Yeah, I'm not a good power, power. napper. Oh, yeah, power I am napper. not good at it. I Once I'm out, I'm out for like two, three hours. So that wouldn't be a good thing for me because I, I, oh. This is my little, um, I actually bought this when we were in Spain yeah. as a spontaneous purchase because they're really cheap. And this was much cheaper than the same quality. What kind of guitar is it? It's, I don't, not that I know. Guitaros Camps, Spanish. Yeah. Um, it's well, are you like classical. good or are you just messing around on the guitar? Let's hear some, some jamming. Oh, it sounds really good in my headphones. I have a lot of time to practice. You're really good. Do you remember? Um, I can't do much more than You're really good. You're, when the social distancing is done, we'll get you out on the deck and we'll uh, put on the fire and have a Very jam fun. session. You're really good. It's very, thank you. It's very, uh, for me, it's very relaxing to just be in my own little world and just. How long just have you play. been playing? I played a lot in like high school, you know, mm -hmm. like in a band and all that crap. And then I uh, put it away for a very long time and then I got back Picked into it. Picked it back acoustic. up. Yeah. Yeah, you're really, really good. Okay. That's a fun, guilty pleasure because it's fun for the other people in the house. Well, my family doesn't like it. I don't know. Oh, I love it. Like, it's so relaxing just, for me. It's yeah, I, to listen I thought, to. Yeah. Concerts for myself here. <laughs> you yourself and you in yeah. your little office. That's yeah. good. It's good. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I'm super grateful that you joined us and we have lots to learn from you as far as doing good and leadership and um, just all of it. I'm a huge Crowd Cav fan. Thank and, you for your um, support. Yeah, no, of course. And I can't wait. I'm sure next time I talk to you, you're going to be up like 1600%. I mean, it's exponential. <laughs> And I hope that the word gets out even more through this podcast because I want to do whatever I can to support you and my friends thank you. in this time. So thank yeah. you, thank you. And I'll talk Thanks to you soon. Me. Glad yeah. you're doing this podcast. It's really cool. It's thank been you. fun. Yeah, thank yep. you. Take care. Thanks. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to the What Fuels You podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And follow us on social media to keep up with the latest news and episodes. You can also contact us at podcast at fueltalent.com to provide feedback, ask questions, and share topics or guests you would like us to cover in the future. We hope you feel inspired by our guests and that we have helped fuel your day. Join us next time for another episode of What Fuels You.